Chapter 9. I waited until Granny was asleep and snoring, and then I went outside. It was late afternoon and everything was quiet. I stood and looked at our car. Granny had the keys under her pillow, and the pillow was, of course, under her head. But I was Willie, and I believed that I was Willie enough that I could steal the keys and steal the car and drive back to Florida. However, I didn't know what direction Florida was. <laughs> well, it was south, of course. But how was I supposed to know which way was south? How could you possibly tell which way south was when there were so many different directions in the world? Northeast, southwest. People can point and study maps and say the words south and east and look very knowledgeable when they say them. But directions have always confused me. And there was also the fact that I didn't have any money for gas or food. And then, too, how could I leave Granny alone in a motel room with no teeth and no car? It seemed cruel. I was thinking about all this when she, when the someone whistled and the crow, that same crow, went flying past me in a burst of shiny feathers. He was so close that I could feel the air he pushed aside. I looked up, and lo and behold, what did I see? A boy, standing on the roof of Goodnight Sleep Tight. And the crow was sitting right next to the boy's shoulder. And the crow was sitting right next to the boy's shoulder. Hey, said the boy. He was barefoot. He had on blue shirts and a white t-shirt. And his hair was cut so close to his head that it was bristly and shone in the light. Hello, I said back. You know that vending machine in the office? Yes, I said. I seen you staring at it earlier. So? So, I can get you any old thing you want out of the machine. Anything at all. All you gotta do is name it. Well, my heart soared up high in my chest and at those words. I saw the vending machine as if right in front of me. It glowed with all the special objects. Boy, ballpoint pens, cheese-filled crackers, candy bars, rain bonnets, each one of them giving off its own special light. My goodness, I said to him. Anything you want, he smiled. He looked like a pirate, standing up there with the crow on a soldier. And then Bernice came out of the motel office with a broom in her hand and curlers stone her hair. How many times do I have to tell you? She said, shouting, waving the broom around. Get off my roof! Get off it! Bernice jabbed the broom at the roof. She jumped up and down. Get out of here, said Bernice. I mean it! I'll see you later, said the boy, looking right up at me. Go on, Clarence! The bird, Clarence! took off flying. The boy went running across the roof and grabbed hold of the branch of a big live oak that was next to the good night sleep tight. And then he was gone too. Don't believe a war he says, Bernice turned to me. But it was too late. I believed him entirely. I believed everything about him. I couldn't wait to make selections from the vending machine. And then two things struck me at once. The first was that I knew the bird's name, but I did not know the boy's. The second thing that occurred to me was that I felt hopeful. Yes, for the first time since we had crossed over the Florida Georgia Line and State Line, I, Louisiana Elefante, was filled with hope. Chapter 10. My hopefulness did not last long. It turned out that Granny had paid only one night at the Good Night Seat Tight, and at 11 o'clock the next morning, Bernice was knocking on our door saying, You will pay now or you will get out. Thank you very much. Her hair was still in curlers. I am recovering from a traumatic event, said Granny in her toothless voice. She stood at the door in her nightgown. Her legs were skinny and white. 
took a troubled ghost. Bernie said, I have absolutely no interest in hard luck stories. I'm interested in you paying for another night, or I'm interested in you packing up and leaving. One thing or the other. Granny said, very well. I don't have cash, but I do have Louisiana. What? said Bernice. Louisiana, said Granny. Come here. I went and stood in front of Grammy. She put her hands on my shoulders. I could feel her fingers trembling. I had never known Grammy to tremble, and her hands were hot. It felt like she was on fire. She sings, said Grand Bernice. So what? said Bernice. She seems like an angel, said Granny. I stood there with Granny trembling, feverish hands on my shoulders, and I felt a wave of darkness and despair roll over me. What would become of us? What would become of me? I thought about the boy on the roof and the crow named Clarence, and the vending machine stocked full of wondrous things. I thought about Beverly and Ramey. I thought about Archie and Buddy. I missed them. I missed them all. I wanted to go home, but who cared what I wanted? Certainly not Granny. But it's how I ended up at the good shepherd Lutheran church, wearing my best dress in preparation for singing for someone named Mrs. Lulu, who was the church organist, who made up her mind in advance not to be impressed with me. And that was fine, because I it's how I ended up at the Good Shepherd Lutheran Church wearing my best dress and preparation for singing to someone named Miss Lulu, who was a church organist and who had made up her mind in advance not to be impressed with me. And that was fine because I was certainly not impressed with her. When Bernice and I arrived, Miss Lulu was playing the organ. She was pounding her way through a song by Batch. And I felt sorry for Batch because Miss Lulu's heart was clearly not involved with the music at all. It was very painful to listen to her play. Your heart has to be involved with the music, or else there's no point. That is what Granny has always told me, and I believe it to be true. Also, Miss Lulu was eating a caramel while playing the organ. I could smell it. It's not a professional at all to eat caramel and play the organ at the same time. Miss Lulu made us wait until she had played the batch all the way to the end. And then she turned and said, Good afternoon, Bernice. Hello, Miss Lulu, said Bernice. Here we are, although I'm not sure exactly why. Bernice had a somewhat confused look on her face. It was because she was dealing with Granny. I had seen the look on the faces of many people. Bernice was wondering just exactly how she'd been talked to into what she'd been talking to. Granny had a strange power over people, even without teeth. Tell me the story about this child again, said Miss Lulu, working the caramel around her mouth. Miss Lulu had curls in her hair. The curls bounced while she talked. Curls, or the hope of them, seemed to be very popular in Richford, Georgia. Well, said Bernice. She sighed. She and her grandmother are staying at the motel, and they cannot pay for another night. Isn't that just terrible, said Miss Lulu. Some people, she tossed her head and her curls bounced up and down, and the smell of caramel wafted through the air. I do not believe that people should eat candy without sharing it. There was a stained glass window above Miss Lulu's head. And if I squinted at it, I could turn all the colors into the window to a kaleidoscope and also make Lulu's face and curls go fuzzy. So that is what I did, and it was very comforting. In the meantime, Bernice went on talking. The grandmother says that the girl can sing. She says that I can make money having the girls sing at funerals and weddings. And since you are the one who plays the organ at the weddings and funerals, I thought I would give you a call on, well, here we are. Miss Lulu looked me up and down. I looked her up and down back. She had on snack stockings. Her nails were bitten down. So what if she had bouncy curls? 
well. Definitely. I don't seem like a probable doesn't. She looks like something blown in by a storm. Brittany sighed. I know it. And Lord help me if you see the grandmother. I feel like I'm being hoodwinked. I'm not a fan of being hoodwinked. One time was enough. Yes, well, Bill was a piece of work. And I love makes us do foolish things. It's Miss Lulu. But you did get the motel. Brittany's made a huffing noise. Miss Lulu said, The truth is that there are often requests for people singing at a funeral. And since Ida Bell Bleeker passed, there hasn't been anyone with a voice to do it. Is there a phone that I could borrow, Miss Lulu? I said, hoping to achieve success by a surprise attack. I seen the minister's office on the way into the sanctuary. The door was closed, but there was a sign that said, Minister's Office, Reverend Frank Aubertask, Assistant Advice Healing Words. I was not particularly interested in receiving assistant advice or healing words, but every church office has a phone. I could go into the office of Reverend Aubertask and pick up the phone and call Beverly or Remy and have one of them come and get me. What, Miss Lulu? I need to call somebody, I said. Ignore her, said Bernice. She's odd. To me, she said, we are not come here for you to place phone calls. We came here to see if you can sing. Miss Lulu crashed a few chords on the organ. And then she said, we perform just a closer walk with thee. Well, that is a song I know. Miss Lulu started to play, and I opened my mouth and sang. I say my life depended on it, but I guess you could say I did. Or at least the room at Goodnight So Tight depended on it. I think that the blue fairy Pinocchio was smiling at me. I thought Beverly and Remy and Archie and Buddy could hear me and would use a song to find their way to me. I sang as if I knew the name of the boy on the roof. I sang as if he knew my name too. The Georgia sun shone through the stained glass window. At some point, Miss Lou stopped playing the organ and just sat with her hands on the keys and looked at me. There was a big splotch of orange on her face from the stained glass and a splotch of green lightning up on one of her many curls. All this was good because it made her look somewhat friendlier. I kept singing. Bernice was crying, tears rolling down her face. The world smelled, unsure, smelled of unsured caramel candy and dust and beeswax. Everything was broken. I knew that. But I felt if I could fix it, I just kept singing. And so I kept singing. It is good to have talent in this world. When I was finished, there was a long silence. Bernice snuffled. She said, Bless her heart. I guess you can never say that the richest people contain. And then Miss Lou asked me if I liked Anglet, an angel food cake. I told her that I most certainly did. My goodness, who doesn't like angel food cake? The three of us went down to the social hall, and Miss Lou gave me a piece of cake on a china plate that had little pink flowers around its rim. It was a very pretty plate. I sat on the middle folding chair and felt cold against my legs, and I ate the whole piece of cake without bothering to talk in between bites. Miss Lulu and Bernice watched me. Who taught you to sing? said Miss Lulu when I finished eating. My granny, I said. I picked up the angel food coming from my fork. Miss Lulu nodded. Her curls bounced up and down. Do you use curlers? Or is your hair naturally curly? I asked. Miss Lulu stared at me with her mouth hanging open. It was as hard I asked her to solve the most difficult math problem in the world. I was starting to think that she was not a very bright woman. Miss Lulu turned to look at Bernice and said, there's a funeral on Friday. Hazel Elkhorn, I am playing the organ. I am sure that the Elkhorn family would love to hear you sing. Bernice nodded slightly. 
Her brain is perfect on crying. I guess we'll have to start there and see what happens. How much do we charge? And since I was done with my angel food cake, and since it was almost invisible to them as they did their planning and convincing me on how to make money for me, I stood up and said, Excuse me, I'll be right back. I went up the stairs, down the stairs hall, and knocked on the door of Riverend Frank Alpster's task office. And when Riverend Op task did not answer, I opened the door and went inside. And there it was a phone sitting on the desk, just as I thought it would be. My heart beat very fast. My salvation and rescue were at hand. Chapter 11. In addition to my heart beating fast, my lungs felt very swampy. I bent over, put my hands on my knees, and breathed deep. I looked around the office. It was filled with books. They were piled up on the desk and on the floor. These walls were lined with shelves, and the shelves were jammed tight with books. My goodness, it was a lot of books. Whoever River and Frank Alcask was, he certainly believed in the power of written word. And that was fine by me, because I believe in the power of the written word too. For instance, I believe in these words I am writing, because they are the truth and what happened to me. I considered the power of the written word while I breathed deep and got my lungs calmed down. When I stood up straight, stepped over to the desk, picked up the phone, and there was a dial tone. Everything was going exactly right, but there was one small obstacle. The one small obstacle that I did not know Ramey's phone number, or Beverly's. I did not know their phone numbers because I never called them. Granny did not believe in having a phone in the house. She said it was just one more way for the authorities to keep tabs on us. What do we need a phone for, my darling? The general populace does not need to know our whereabouts. And those who love us can always find us. That is what Granny said. But it's not true, is it? Those who love us can always find us, can they? Or else I would, be, I would not be writing these words. They are always and forever obstacles placed in our path. But I had a plan to overcome at least one obstacle. I was going to request operator assistance. I took up the phone and dialed, and the woman came on the line immediately and said, Director Assistance, what city, please? Worcester, Florida. I shouted the words. I felt like I was in an important game show, that I had to answer very quickly and exactly right. Name? Mimi Clark, and there's one E in the end. And Clark. There's a long memory silence. There are five looking for Clark. None of them is Ramey. Would you like to try another name? Yes, I shouted. What's the other name, please? Beverly Tapitsky. Please spell the last name, said the operator. I spelled it, and there was a long, sad silence. The operator cleared her throat. She said, I'm sorry, dear, but they're not Tapinskis in Lister, Florida. Yes, they are, I said. Perhaps they are, said the operator, but there are no listings for Tapinskis. But they exist. Bev- Beverly Tapinski and Ramey Clark both exist. What do I do now? Regarding what, said the operator? Regarding me and know who to call, I said. This is director assistance of the operator. I know that. I stamped my foot. But I don't know what to do. You should assess me and tell me what to do. Honey, said the operator, it will be all fine. Then there was a click and she was gone. I hung up the phone. I bent over from my hands on my knees and worked to get air in my lungs. I thought, it will not all be fine. I thought, I'm alone in the world and I'll have to find some way to rescue myself.